On today's episode of Shooting the Breeze, we sit down and have a conversation with the WCM Warning Coordination Meteorologist, Chris Miller, from the National Weather Service office in Lincoln. He has spent a good 30-plus years in central Illinois, and he is retiring. So we sit down and talk about the good, the memorable, and all the fun stuff he's experienced over the past few decades in central Illinois. So let's sit back, relax, and let's shoot the breeze with your local weather authority. Ah, good afternoon, everyone. Hello, Molly. Hi. Hello, Adam. What's going on? I'm Chris Yates. The other Chris Miller will be joining us shortly. Yes. Chris and Chris. The Chris... Chris, Adam, and Molly show. Yes. There's a there's probably some sort of weird acronym in there that we'll just not figure out later. Anyway, how are you all doing? It seems like it's been forever. I know we've done some of these, but it's been so intermittent and, yeah. and periodic. It just it's nice to kind of get back into kind Between, of a green, you know, severe weather, vacation time, <sighs> life, all those things kind of interrupt the podcast. Yeah. But it's nice to be back in the uh, podcasting chairs. Mm-hmm. On such a warm, sunny Toasty, day. if you will. Mm-hmm. Toasty is putting it mildly. You know, meteorological <laughs> fall starts next week. Um, not with these temperatures, right? <laughs> hey, we're going to be in the 80s next week. It is going to get cooler, but it'll be closer. I'm ready for I, 70s and pumpkins. I want to see my breath in the morning. Same. No. But I want it to warm up nicely and comfortable. Be, you know, short sleeve shirt weather in the afternoon. So Leaves start to change. 70s mm-hmm. and 60s? 70s and 60s. How do you go from seeing your breath in the morning to t-shirts in the afternoon? Are you it's just cold. Are you just that warm-blooded? Yeah, I am. I do. I am. Some yeah. of us don't. Some of us don't wear sweatshirts <laughs> in the weather center. Yeah, when it's, when it's 90 degrees shows. outside, <laughs> we don't show up outside. to work in parkas. Meanwhile, there's me rolling up my sleeves every chance I get. I would just like to clarify, I'm not showing up at a parka. I just happen oh, to have okay. a jacket stashed in the back. Because she knows it's going to get cold. Right. At least, at least she knows. She's, at least she's aware that she's going to get cold. Later. I'm prepared. She, she is prepared. prepared. That is true. Yeah, we'll give you that. that is true. When we get a blizzard in July, Molly will be prepared. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, like- I kid. No, but in all fairness, the, the studio is a little chilly. All the time. All the time. So, and, I mean, for us... Men who are wearing jackets, it feels quite comfortable, but I can understand for our, our counterparts who every, every are wearing single, the short sleeve shirts yeah. and the dresses. I get it; it makes a lot of sense. All, all oh, the yeah. female anchor meteorology team, everyone, they all think that this it's is cold. common amongst. <laughs> it's just I mean, look, the studio gets real hot; the lights are on, mm-hmm. and so when you're in your suit jackets, if you don't, if it's not cool, you're actually like starting to sweat through your suits, mm-hmm. and it's pretty nasty. Anyway, uh, we got so we got a great conversation coming up here with uh, with uh, warning coordination meteorologist, soon to be former. In fact, by the time you listen to this podcast, he probably will be former yeah. warning coordination meteorologist uh, Chris Miller as he retires after thirty three years. Uh, so we're he's got some great stories, some great memories, and it's good, it's going to be a great conversation. Um, but before we get to it, let's talk about on this day in history. History. And, and again, this is from the Facebook page, This Day in Weather History. It's a great page. Uh, it's got all the stuff you would be looking for for what happened on This Day in Weather History. Let's get to it. August 27th, 1893. During the late evening hours, a Category 3 hurricane made landfall near Savannah, Georgia. The hurricane cost the lives of 1,000 to 2,000 people, mostly from the 16-foot-high storm surge. Mm. More hurricanes. Well, we get to August 25th. 
Hurricane Harvey back in 2017 and made landfall near Rockport, Texas as a Category 4 hurricane. And we all know what Harvey did in the days. That did not up. move. No, oh. it just sat there. Oh, the timestamp for it is the 25th all the way to the 4th, so that just sat oh. over time. And it was over water. The eye, I think, after it made landfall, bounced back over water. So mm-hmm. it never <laughs> – it just kept sending more and more mm-hmm. rain. Oh. And that, it was that's mm, just a whole that, that's a whole segment possibly right there a whole yep. podcast. August twenty fourth, two thousand six, a moderate tornado outbreak impacted the Dakotas and Minnesota. Fourteen tornadoes were confirmed, three of which were intense. One of them was an F three, damaged numerous homes mm. near Casota, Minnesota. Another one scoured the ground and debarked trees in Feedley County, South Dakota. August twenty fourth, twenty sixteen, I was in college for this one. I remember seeing this one. When I was in school and actually almost running to the weather center at school uh, because it was a big deal, a surprise outbreak occurred in Indiana and Ohio. I think we only had a marginal, and it ended up being a lot of tornado outbreaks there in central Indiana and part of Ohio, too. The area had no tornado risk originally, but a number of mini supercells did form and spawned several large and damaging tornadoes, one of which, one of which would be a higher-end EF3 that struck Kokomo and later near Woodburn, Indiana. And I remember seeing the footage What day that. was that? Uh, August 24th, 2016. I remember that um, that day. Yeah. I believe. I need to double-check. I wonder if that was one of the days where um, Lauren Rainson and I went out to Indiana and chased. But I could be wrong. That was a day I was in northwest Indiana, and I was just, by the time those storms were already striking, and we, we were, I had no idea they were doing it because I was not... Yeah, I no, think I, I think that was the one I told I said uh, told Lauren I was like I said it's only a marginal risk, but we might have a shot here of getting. And sure enough, Kokomo got hit hard. Yeah, I, got, I have to double check the date on that, but yeah, okay. And then another one, August twenty fourth, nineteen twenty two. Back to the hurricanes. Hurricane Andrew made its devastating Category five landfall in Miami Dade County. Entire neighborhoods were leveled with numerous foundations swept bare. In all, the storm killed 44 people in the state and caused over $25 billion in 1992 in damage. So that's a lot of money. Mm. And then we have another famous hurricane, which we all know about. August 23rd, 2005, a tropical wave in the Caribbean Sea was designated as Tropical Depression 12. This system would soon intensify, receiving the name Katrina the next day. In less than a week, it would reach Category 5 strength and head toward the Gulf Coast. Uh, speaking of Katrina, we've got Ida. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is making me a little nervous for those in uh, in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very very large. Uh, now, many of you listening to this podcast, whatever's going to happen with this has already happened. Um, but looking at it now, it is still a tropical storm. It is expected to rapidly intensify over the Gulf and then make landfall likely somewhere in Louisiana. Um, it is a very large storm historically. Now, I think the one thing that might help this thing is it's moving. It actually is moving. It's not going to slow. But larger storms tend to have pretty substantial storm surges. And where it's expected to make landfalls of now would actually put New Orleans in a very bad spot for mm-hmm. storm surge, uh, which is what got them with Katrina. Uh, this thing is likely to rapidly intensify. I think they have a forecast to get to Category 3 strength at least. And it, uh, it wouldn't be surprised if this thing... If it if it does slow, especially uh, if the thing blows up even more, uh, so that's going to be one. This will be one to watch. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, this is all going to be already have happened by the time you listen to these podcasts, more than likely. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, sitting where I'm at now, and we can go back and maybe talk about Ida and other and, and Harvey uh, in a future podcast. But I, I think this one's going to be a be a doozy for that Gulf mm-hmm. Coast. And there's a lot of other news going on in the world right now, and I just hope people who are down there are paying attention. It's this is the time of year for big hurricanes. Yeah, and Historic it's peak one. season. This is uh this is when it happens. Um, the season runs through the end of November, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, September, August, September. Yeah, especially late August, early September, this is when you're going to get your peak activity, and then it's going to start to drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, anyway, we hope every everybody's listening down there, and and hopefully the hurricane season can quiet down some mm-hmm. after after we get through this. All right, let's get back uh, to our guest of the day, mm-hmm. and here's our conversation with WCM meteorologist from National Weather Service office in Lincoln, Chris Miller, on his retirement. We are joined. My soon-to-be former morning coordinator meteorologist, Chris Miller. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are all of you doing? Uh, we're doing good. Well, at least I'm doing good, Molly, Adam. I'm good, Sweating. yeah. It's, hot. it's, it's a little hot. toasty out. Yeah. You, couldn't, you couldn't retire in the winter. But, uh, <laughs> no. <you know. laughs> no, and unfortunately, we're stuck in this uh, hot, humid weather pattern. So. No. Yeah. Well, hey, you've spent a lot of time here in central Illinois, I believe, your whole career, correct? That is correct. Yeah, all uh, 33 years and three months of my career. It means uh, you have been through been some. central Illinois. You have been through some stuff here. Uh, so kind of we want to have, have a conversation, kind of talk about uh, some of the highlights, lowlights some of the, uh, within your career. Because um, I know um, in the last 10 years we've had some incredible – unfortunate storms and i mean i'm sure and you've got stories so we want to hear here's some of the things that you you remember you know from your time from when you started all the way up until recently yeah oh my gosh you you hit the nail on the head um you know it's we we talk about that with weather in central illinois being so changeable so active so different um and uh yeah there are definitely a, a number of highlights uh or maybe not highlights for everybody. I'll just say high impact, big storms um, that came through the area. Uh, Most notably, uh, you know, I first started my career, I I walked into the, when we used to have a weather office in Peoria at the airport, and we were in the midst of an exceptional drought um, in uh, the summer of 1988. It was just awful. I mean, the, the crops suffered, it was, uh, we had a lot of days, temperatures in the 90s. We hit over 100 several times. We were starting to rival the heat of the 30s. <laughs> and um, that was one heck of a way to start my career. And that drought lasted for a good almost two years. Um, I honestly didn't issue my first tornado warning until I'd been with the Weather Service for two years um, because we just didn't have any severe weather. It was, uh, um, it, it was, it was all drought. And um, so there was that. Um, <clears throat> a lot of, there were memorable in, in the beginning of my career, memorable floods too. Uh, we went from drought to flood, 1990, uh, massive floods. And everybody said, oh my gosh, this is just terrible. You know, the Illinois river is so high Mississippi, et cetera. And then uh, three years later, 1993 then was just the epic event of, uh, flooding. Um, I'll never forget getting a phone call at the weather office uh, there in Peoria at the airport, uh, in the summer of 93. Uh, emergency manager from Mason County called and said, hey, uh, near Havana here uh, on a sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, he said, we are flooding like you wouldn't believe. And it's not coming from the Illinois River. 
Um, it was actually coming from the underground water aquifer that travels, I think it's called the Muhammad aquifer and, um, that travels across, I think it comes all the way from Virginia or something. Um, but the, the water table was so high <laughs> that, um, they were flooding from the ground up and we were just looking at each other in the weather office. We had no <laughs> idea what issue a flash flood warning on a day when it's, I mean, it's not even weather related, so to speak. Um, so that was, that was a crazy time in 1993. Um, and then, um, really probably the biggest severe weather years of my very beginning of my career, uh, was in, uh, 95, uh, right, right about the time that the Peoria office was winding down, uh, Lincoln well, was spinning up and, um, and I was fortunate enough to be one of the forecasters selected for the, uh, the new Lincoln office. And, uh, we just got hit immediately. May of 95 uh, was just incredible for severe weather. Um, and that was uh, followed by several years, uh, several years in a row. In fact, in May of 95, I, I remember doing a damage survey around South Pekin from an F3 tornado that went through there. And little did I know I would be back in the exact same neighborhood eight years, almost to the date, uh, Mother's Day weekend of 2003. Uh, we had a massive tornado outbreak um, move up through the Illinois River Valley. Um, <laughs> Fulton County got hit hard. Those storms crossed the river. Um, South Pekin got hit. Again, same neighborhood. Uh, second time in eight years. Uh, did a, tons of devastation in Morton. Um, and ironically, barely missed uh, Washington. It just dissipated before it got to Washington. Mm. Um, and... Um, and then, you know, the late 90s, severe weather kind of quieted down a little bit in early 2000s. But then it was like winter weather, uh, um, New Year's of January 1st of 1999, um, massive blizzard. I mean, true blizzard. Uh, we cover 35 counties here in, in at the, from the Lincoln office, central and uh, eastern Illinois. And every single county we had anywhere from six uh, up to over 15 inches of snow, mm -hmm. high winds. Uh, we had staff members here that were trapped at the office for three days, um, eight to 10 foot drifts out on the main highway in front of our building here. It was just incredible. Um, that was, that was one. Uh, and then we, you know, we started to, uh, to get into, like I said, the real active years, 2003, 2004, 2006. It just seemed like we couldn't catch a break from tornadoes. Uh, in central Illinois. In fact, 2006 still stands as the, the state record for the most tornadoes, 124 tornadoes in one year. Um, we typically average around 50, 54, yeah. somewhere in there, uh, 124. Um, and 2004 was the, uh, the Roanoke tornado. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember um, doing the damage assessment for that and just could not believe that, you know, everybody survived that tornado. It was so powerful. Um, and my boss at the time told me, he said, this is probably a, you know, career defining event because as meteorologists, we all tend to have these career, you know, these major events you never mm -hmm. forget. Um, I never seen any devastation like it until nine years later. And when Washington got hit, my wife's hometown, mm -hmm. most of my in-laws live there. 
Uh, I was working that event. It was a Sunday morning, and it was just the most intense, severe. We were in a high risk for for uh, tornadoes and all kinds of severe weather that day. Classic, you know, supercell type tornadoes, and it's middle of November, and so we're fearing Sunday morning people are going to get caught off guard, and this massive half mile wide tornado rips through Washington and. I got up there about four hours after the tornado hit and having lived in Washington for a time myself, I had no idea where I was. It was just, there was so much devastation. We had no idea what street we were standing on. There was no cell service, nothing. It was, everything was just blown apart. Um, and that actually turned into a career defining moment, um, in, in 2013. And, um, you know, throw in a, a lot more winter storms and floods. And I'll tell you, just my, my whole 33-year career was pretty much filled with one weather extreme after another. When you um, took a job in the National Weather Service, did you expect it to be yeah. this this type of experience going from one extreme to the next? <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that the um, – I'm originally from Wisconsin, and uh, at the time, actually, my goal was to uh, to get back home <laughs> to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, but Central Illinois became home. And uh, and I'll tell you, uh, I just I, I knew obviously growing up in Wisconsin, I knew the weather would be active, but I just never imagined it would be as active as it is. You know, you look at the the videos and the pictures of things, storms in the plains and all those things, and you think, oh, that that happens in that part of the country. Um, but no, it was uh, that that was really kind of surprising. The longer I spent here, I realized this is an active place uh, for weather. No question about it. I was going to ask, uh, day one, uh, what was your first day like uh, as compared to you know your final two days that are coming up here? Um, compare your starting out day one, what it was like walking in the door at the Peoria office to now where you're at your last few days, the Lincoln office. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, my my first day walking in the Peoria office, uh, it was uh, May 9th, 1988, and I'll tell you, two things happened. They handed me, so I'm like fresh out of college, and they handed me these two big binders, and they said, here, read all this stuff, study it, you'll be tested on it in four weeks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And essentially what it was, it was back then, we didn't have automated weather observing systems. We did the weather observations hourly manual. We'd go up on the roof and look at the clouds and check the temperature and, and the pressure. And we would send the, uh, the observation every hour and take special observations as needed. And I needed to study all the ins and outs, how to do that, when to take a special, all that kind of thing. Um, and then uh, they no sooner handed me those binders on that very first day and the guy said, uh, the, bo- the boss at the time, he said, now set those down over there. Uh, we're going to go do a damage assessment. <laughs> so my first day, even though we were kind of in the beginnings of that massive drought, um, this was the day after Mother's Day. Again, there's something about Mother's Day weekend in central Illinois. Um, the day before, uh, May 8th, uh, there was a, a massive uh, uh, cluster of storms that came through central Illinois. And there were, in fact, uh, uh, one of them was a supercell that crossed the Illinois River. So, yes, folks, storms mm-hmm. do cross the river, and so do tornadoes. Uh, and this tornado uh, touched down on the Peoria side and, and crossed the Illinois River and um, barely missed uh, Jonas Seafood House, which apparently oh. was packed with 
people for Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. uh, people were diving under tables, I guess, from what I heard. And I don't know, I was, I was driving down from Wisconsin, so I didn't know all that was going on. But uh, yeah, I remember spending most of my day in Tazewell County doing uh, damage assessment. That would just be kind of a harbinger of things to come. Um, but the, the last day, last few days here, um, it's been uh, going through file after file after file. I've got a <laughs> lot of stuff I've saved. Um, I even came across my very first um, area forecast discussion. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. That oh, I used wow. Yeah. Back in 1995 uh, when we opened here in Lincoln and I had my last one I saved from about a month ago. And so I got those two. And um, yeah, just going through stuff, talking to a lot of people. I mean, it just made so many contacts. Uh, um, not only my coworkers, dozens and dozens of various coworkers through the years, but, um, but what I, what I call our core partners. So, um, you know, folks like you, our media partners, our, uh, emergency management partners. Uh, and that's really what my job was, was doing a lot of work with emergency management folks and, and, and media kind of as the public information officer. And, and, uh, it's just been, it's been a wonderful job, um, and uh, I've just been going through a lot of memories, the, you know, the last few days. But really, also is things have things are going to move on. And obviously, uh, the you know weather service in Lincoln isn't going to stop because I'm retiring. And so I spent a lot of time the last couple of days with uh, some of the staff here that's going to take over some of my duties until a replacement's hired. And so a lot of here's what you need to do. Here's who are the contacts and that type of thing. So. Um, I was also going to ask, how has it changed the weather service? I mean, obviously you went to two different offices since day one you were there, but how has the yeah. operations changed from when you started? Again, day one you were handed those big old binders to you know now compared to now when you've got yeah. a completely different yeah. office and completely different technology. It seems like, and how has it kind of changed in your in your eyes? How has it changed just for you? Oh my gosh, leaps and bounds! You know, thirty three years, it's un incredible. Um, yeah, everything was binders and paper tests, and you'd hand it in, somebody would grade it and whatever. Now everything is computer-based, obviously. Um, even the way, you know, we did our job, like I said back then, it was manual weather observations. Now it's automated. Um, just doing our job as meteorologists, uh, the computer system updates we've had through the years have just been tremendous. I mean, just give you an example. If we were going to issue a warning, our radar display at the Peoria Weather Office was literally on a television screen and we had to get a plastic overlay, put it over that to look wow. at the radar and then draw around where the storms were, look at that and go, okay, who we, we're going to issue the warning for uh, you know, Tazewell and Whitford County and then put out that warning. Um, and it took forever. We had to hand type the warnings. And now on our computer system, we just radar is right there. We just draw a polygon around the worst part of the storm. We hit a create text button and all the text is there. And uh, it, you can get it out so much quicker and it automatically goes to weather radio on people's phones and yeah. uh, goes to you guys scrolling across you, you know, everybody's TV screens, little maps come up and, and much different than, uh, than years ago. And, um, yeah, it's just, we are really, this science really, uh, expands, uh, as a result of how technology expands. And, uh, you know, I, I remember back some of the old, old, old weather models that, aren't even around anymore, obviously. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, essentially three or four main models to look at. And now look at what we have. We've mm. got literally dozens with hundreds of iterations and then what we call ensembles, different tweaks of those models to see how things might might change. And, um, 
and you know, and you guys know this being meteorologists, you know, we hear this all the time, you know, about, Oh, it must be nice to get paid to be wrong all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ha ha. You know, yeah. like, well, okay. We've heard oh, these it's, jokes, ah. right? Chris, it's my favorite joke I hear. It's my favorite. Yeah. Isn't it your favorite? Yeah. I love how they, every time we're told, it's like they just came up with it themselves. Yeah. Yes. Like it's the first yeah. time. It's, the first time they... it's like uh, <laughs> when you go to the grocery store and they have a, 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 there's no barcode on it. Oh, it must be free then. Yeah. I've never heard that yeah. one before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, um, uh, I have never worked with, and this is in, this is including, you know, you guys, all my friends in the media, and uh, and just meteorologists in general. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, folks, we hate to be wrong. <laughs> mm. We don't want to be wrong. Um, we're using the best technology and, and information we have to put out the best forecast we possibly can at the moment. And it's so changing and uh, interactions of so many small scale things can really change that forecast so quickly. And so through the years, I've seen so many changes in the forecast as far as uh, when I first started in Peoria back in 88, um, the accuracy of the forecast then out to 48 hours is what we have now achieved out to about the fifth or sixth day. It, it, it has, and computing power has helped that models, but also more research and a better mm -hmm. understanding of the atmosphere. Um, you know, this is a science and we're trying to take this science and communicate it to people the best way we can. And that, that's where you guys come in. You guys are, you know, amazing communicators. That's why you're doing what you do. And, and it's, uh, it can be challenging to do that. And, um, the, the amazing changes we've seen through the years has, has just been uh, uh, phenomenal. And uh, unless you followed it every day for the last 30 years, um, yeah, most people are going to go, oh, yeah, you're still wrong. Well, you know, once in a while, but not not like it used to be. No. Definitely not. Mm -mm. I keep having questions. I apologize, Chris. But starting yeah. on day one, what was your position at the Weather Service in Peoria? Because now you're the warning coordination yeah. meteorologist. How how'd you go? What was your first step into it? Were you automatically first day one warning coordination meteorologist? Or did you have to oh, work your no. way to get there? <laughs> yeah, no, I had to work my way up to get there. I came in as a, uh, what, what we at the time, we don't have this anymore, but we, call, we called it meteorological intern which is really a bad term because you think of interns you're like, Oh, you're not getting paid and you're, you know, you're helping somebody. Yeah. And, yeah um, you were the one that changed. went out and had to go in the snow and wind and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. Um, no, we, um, we started out um, doing weather observations, you know, weather balloon launches twice a day, which we still do. Mm -hmm. um, but we started out doing those, but we were more like, I, I preferred the term meteorologist in training. Um, because we had to go through a lot of training before we, you know, issued that first forecast. Um, we had to go through a lot of training when Doppler radar came in. You know, in 1988, we didn't have Doppler radars in the Weather Service. Those didn't come in until uh, early to mid 90s here in Central Illinois. We got ours in 95, um, and um, we had to learn. That's a whole new learning curve. So we had a lot of the first few years of my career. I felt like I was back in college again it was it was all learning and books and studying and um research i wrote i wrote a couple of papers and um lear learning the craft of forecasting and observing and getting that foundation in place um then when um uh, the lincoln office opened i applied to be a uh, uh, forecaster meteorologist forecaster um was in that position from 1995 to 98 and then uh, we uh, expanded our staff 
So then we needed more forecasters that were going to be lead forecasters, which were like the uh, shift supervisors, so to speak. Um, I was promoted to that position in 1998. Uh, and then our former warning coordination meteorologist, uh, a lot of people in central Illinois know the name Rod Palmer. Um, he was in uh, Peoria, Springfield, and then ended up in Lincoln also. Uh, he retired uh, in uh, 2002. And that's when I uh, stepped into the, uh, the 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 role as warning coordination meteorologist, which a lot of people are like, "Hey, what is that? You you coordinate all the warnings?" No, we. This job is is the best way to describe it: outreach. Liaise. I'm the liaison between this office and our partners in the media and emergency management. Okay. So. A question. Um, I've always kind of wondered this. When you guys get into discussions in coordinating from office to office and even like SPC, for instance, how does that all kind of work? Do you guys get on a big giant conference call or call individually? <laughs> um, yeah, both. Actually, all of all of the above. Um, every day we're doing coordination with our surrounding offices. So uh, I know like in your viewing area, some of the forecast comes out of Chicago, Quad Cities weather office, our office. Uh, but we're doing co uh, collaboration with all of those offices around us um, on a daily basis for even things as some people might seem you know mundane, but you know hey, you're going to go with temperatures in the lower 90s or uh, upper 80s or something like that, you know. Um, uh, but when it comes to the the big events, uh, it's, you know, prior to say like a winter weather event. Yeah, there is not only coordination between all the impacted offices, but also the Weather Prediction Center uh, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, we'll have conference calls. Uh, we can uh, share graphics uh, and, and ideas about how we want to message that event. And Storm Prediction Center, yeah, that's kind of a, um, that's always a last second thing. Uh, uh, Storm Prediction Center will, will uh, look at things. We're looking at things. We can chat with them 24 hours a day. Uh, back and forth, bouncing ideas off each other, and then they'll just finally put out a notice. Hey, in two minutes, I want to have a conference call. Um, and then they'll get all the offices together. And uh, it's almost like a give and take thing where we all share ideas. Sometimes it even gets to, I've had events where SPC said, hey, we're on the fence as far as tornado watch or severe thunderstorm watch. What do you guys think? Um, and and, and we'll, we'll talk it out and go from there uh, between us and the surrounding, you know, Chicago, St. Louis, other offices. Um, and um, yeah, as far as how long the watch, which counties, we even kind of negotiate back and forth. Let's put this county in, take that county out because we don't think they're going to be impacted and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, there is a, there's lots of talking, conference calls, um, uh, you name it. We're the key is communication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think I've got another question. I know I've been Go asking a lot of them. Um, what this is kind of off, not so much the weather side of things, but what are some things you're going to miss? And some things you're not going to miss now that you're retiring. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, in the position that I've been in through the years, the thing I am going to miss the absolute most uh, going to be the relationships that that I've developed with emergency managers uh, in 35 counties across the area. Um, know them all on a first name basis. Um, those uh, those partnerships and setting the ground before a big event happens is is, is key, and that was really my position so i'm gonna miss those folks tremendously um i'm gonna miss a lot of you know my colleagues my co-workers uh we're, but we're all we're all kind of like one big 
happy family, you know, so we, we, we know each other and hang out and stuff like that. So I'll definitely going to see those folks again. Um, the things, the, the, the thing I'm clearly not going to miss. And I told my wife this yesterday, um, here at the weather service, a lot of people aren't aware that when you're working forecast shifts, uh, you rotate through shifts. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) We, We understand that we get it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys get that. Um, and so we go from, you know, one week you're working in the evening, the next week you're on night shifts, the next week you're on day shifts. I am not going to miss that. That is brutal. Um, and I haven't had to do that for a while, but still to stay proficient as a meteorologist, I, I would work shifts. Um, and sometimes it was nights and evenings. And it's tough to uh, adapt. And, uh, but I'll tell you when the weather is, is active, um, you, you don't even know, you don't even feel it that you're tired or, yeah. You've been working so many days in a row. You just you're there to do your job and, and accomplish that mission. Right. I'm trying to think if I have any more because I've been the one trying to like just yeah. think of cooking some in the back of my head. Oh, what's next for you now that you're retiring? Yeah. What are you gonna yeah. focus on now? Because obviously there's still plenty of time left. I mean to do things and you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I've been telling people, you know, it's it's the the, the next chapter in my life and. Uh, um, and you know what I meant? It's kind of that, that's a good segue to, to the last uh, uh, question because um, when I talked about the shift work and whatever, that's it's really hard on not only you, but it's really hard on your family and your friends and and, and other folks. And and I felt like my my family uh, really had to uh, um, sacrifice a lot so that I could do that job. It's what I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid. And and um, so um, I see it as when I'm in retirement now, it's like I'm going to give back. I'm going to be helping my family a lot um, uh, between uh, my parents up in Wisconsin, um, my wife's family, um, going to be uh, going to be helping out uh, quite a bit there. We've got kids scattered all over the Midwest, so we're going to be visiting them um, in various places, spending more time with the kids and uh, um, going to be uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of volunteer work at our church here in Lincoln and. And so, you know, just kind of, kind of take it, you know, sit back, but you know, when you got meteorology kind of in your blood, (laughs) you really never get away from it. I know so many people in town, they're going to be, even though they know I'm retired, they're going to say, Hey, what's the weather going to be like? How much snow are we going to get? You know, (laughs) we get that on our off days too. I was at the gym the other day and someone what's the weather going to be like, I'm like, I I haven't been to work in a couple of days, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll still be keeping up with it. And, and I told one of my uh, coworkers uh, here just a couple days ago, I said, Hey, one thing I want to do, I, I want to go out and, and, and uh, I don't know if I want to say chase storms. I really want to watch storms much, much closer. And uh, uh, I, I never had a chance to do that in the last 30 some odd years. I mean, you guys kind of know what it's like too. It's in this, in this business anyway, with the weather service, you're constantly on call. Mm-hmm. So if, if the, you know, the weather's going sideways and there's a suddenly, uh, you know, tornadoes everywhere and, you know, the phones are going to start ringing and they're going to, Hey, I need you to come in. Um, had missed many, a uh, birthday party for my kids and everything else, <laughs> um, because of severe weather getting called into work. And, um, uh, so now I can, uh, finally sit back and, and, uh, just kind of enjoy family, but also, uh, you know, continue to watch storms uh, which is you know what i studied to do yeah. i mean if i i think we're good i've got one more but we don't have to say it if we don't want to and i was going to say what's your favorite memory at the service weather service 
office. Your favorite memory overall. Doesn't have to be weather related. Just whatever one thing you think of every time you think about walking in the door every once a week, it's like that memory pops back into your head, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Wow. You know, when you do that for 33 years, trying to pick out a favorite. Oh my goodness. You it's can, a tough question, isn't yeah, it? Be, you can have yeah, more than one favorite. You can have more than one favorite. We'll yeah. give you that one then. Sure. <laughs> You know, I mean, and I'm not even going to say uh, uh, I'm definitely not not, you know, this this answer is not going to be, hey, this particular storm or whatever. Uh, I remember a lot of storms. I don't have any favorite storms because the way I look at it, storms, they impact people. And mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to call that a favorite. Um, but, um, you know, some of the uh, some of the interactions that uh, th- that I've had with with uh, my coworkers. Um uh, there, there was a guy who used to work here. He's a lead forecaster in St. Louis now, but when he was, uh, uh, going up through the ranks here, we worked together and, uh, quiet weather days. There were a few times he, he pulled a few practical jokes on me. <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, Mark Britt is his name and an excellent forecaster in St. Louis. But, uh, but yeah, he, he, he really, uh, kept me on my toes. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was, that was pretty good. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think probably uh, just really getting together with with some of my coworkers and just being able to to uh, just know them on a more personal level um, has been really the best the best part. But uh, you know, I, I have to say this um, probably the, the the number one the number one memory though was a, a tour that I gave at the Peoria weather office. I did a balloon launch, um, tour of the, of the weather office. And, um, as it turns out, uh, the person on that tour, um, ended up becoming my wife about a little over Aww. a year later. So. Aww. <laughs> Aww. It's a great so, story. I love that. Yeah. Love and, um, that, um, so, so honey, without a doubt, that was the best memory of the <laughs> <laughs> Of my weather service career. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's a good one to, to end it on. But yeah. uh, on behalf of all of us, congratulations. Yes. And uh, thank you for all of your service over the uh, past uh, few decades. Uh, I appreciate that, too. And I, and I appreciate the, the relationships I've had with, with all of you and, and, and all of your predecessors. And just everybody that I've come across in this profession has just been outstanding. So, uh um, thank you also. And, uh, uh, but I appreciate it. Give me the, the time to, uh, kind of reminisce and, and talk about how things have changed. Absolutely. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on our podcast again. Um, I think we, didn't we start off our podcast? He was our first interview. You were yeah, our very first interview. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. thank you so much. I remember. <laughs> well, you're, you're very welcome. And uh, if you have, find yourself in Peoria, don't hesitate to come by and say hi. Oh, you bet. Hey, I, I get in Peoria fairly frequently. So, yeah, I'll All do right. that and stop in. All right. All right Chris, uh, Chris thank thanks you. so much. Thank Have you a great Chris. day. You're welcome. Thanks, guys.